This episode of the Sports Mentoring Project recounts the story of the week of May 15th, 2011. Here's the thing. Nothing really special happened. Not on the field, court, or ice. No major records were set. No championships were won. The NBA and NHL conference finals were in progress. But only one of those four series went past five games. But something extraordinary did happen that week, and it caused a bit of a stir. Basketball Hall of Famer Rick Welts, then president and CEO of the Phoenix Suns, came out as the first openly gay prominent sports executive. Former Villanova basketball star Will Sheridan also came out that week. A professional bowler named Scott Norton came out of the closet as well. And Charles Barkley famously said, I'd rather have a gay guy who can play than a straight guy who can't. 2,410 miles away from Welts' Phoenix Suns headquarters, my lifelong friend Jared Max was listening, which turned into thinking, reveling, agonizing, contemplating, and ultimately deciding. Four days later, Jared went on the air live during his early morning ESPN New York talk show, maxed out and told his listeners and the world that he was gay. In fact, that's also when I found out and I was happy for my friend. But at the same time, I felt a tremendous sense of guilt for not recognizing or responding to the pain he was in for so many years prior. From suicidal thoughts and loneliness to emptiness and hopelessness. Jared, who's now with Fox News Radio, already had a long and successful career in broadcasting in 2011. So as you can imagine, he put a lot on the line. And when he tried to get Rick Welts on the line to say, thanks for being a mentor from afar and giving me the courage to be the first openly gay sportscaster, he was unsuccessful. But that all changed this week, which is the 10th anniversary of Jared and Rick coming out during what OutSports dubbed as the gayest sports month ever. Jared Max, welcome to the Sports Mentoring Project. How are you, buddy? What is the good word, my friend? How are you, John? I am thrilled to have you, and I'm doing well. And let's jump right in. We will start with a, a lightning round, which is how I start all my podcasts. And I'll start by asking you, who was or is your greatest mentor or mentors? Uh, so many mentors. I, you know what I think the most important thing about uh, mentors is that, especially if, if we're going to choose a particular field, a career, a profession, is that not only to have mentors within the profession that you choose, but way outside, because some of the greatest mentors I've had in life have nothing to do with broadcasting or with sports. Within the broadcasting, there's definitely uh, a few people who, who I'll get into a little bit later on. If you had to pick a mentor and they were here right now with you, what would you say to your, one of those mentors? I'd be curious to know what they thought of me when I was just a punk kid <laughs> who was so curious, uh, who was a sponge, who was also, I think, very much the same person who I am uh, today. And, 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 you know, we've known each other a long time, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to goof around and clown around, but also very serious. And, and, and I'm curious, I would ask, what was I like when I was 15? 
what would you say a superpower of a great mentor you've had was? I think the ability to convey a sense of importance of professionalism. Somebody who you had as a guest on, broadcaster James Brown, has uh, one of my first mentors in the business. When I met JB at uh, Bill Raftery Sports Broadcasting Camp as a teenager, it was very clear how professional James was and that he conveyed a sense to the entire room without saying it, how important it is, the way you dress, the way you present yourself. And he told a lot of different stories. He had a great, I'm sure he shared, you know, some of this with you, whether on camera or off camera, uh, but, but the way that you look says something. And whether or not you're the type of person who looks like to just like to hang around in a t-shirt and, and a pair of jeans uh, or, or, or even nothing, you know, you know, some ratty old clothes. When it comes time to present yourself, you, you need to be professional about it. We, and, we, and James certainly conveyed that and look at him anytime on television, you know it. We, we've talked about that a lot. I talk about a lot that a lot, that everything communicates. I tell my students that quite a bit. So Jared, what's your superpower? Uh, my superpower, uh, my superpower might be uh, determination. I don't give up very easily. I don't back down. And that's just inherent. Uh, for, from a professional side, writing it probably is one of my superpowers. And, and I'm grateful to both of my parents, my mom and my, and my dad, are both uh, communicators, both know how to write well, M my brother the same. Uh, and so to have the ability to capture the essence of what an audience is thinking. We're watching the same event or we're, gonna, we're, we're taking in the same story. My greatest challenge in Iowa is to capture what we're thinking. Most of us are probably thinking the same, capture what's being thought and translate it and to not be scared to do it. Sometimes that might be where a superpower is because I'm usually not afraid to tackle certain subjects and that would come down to, 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 to writing because nowadays more than ever, you, you gotta be very careful where you step and what you say and how you write. And that, that it's important to be able to write more than ever. I think that's spot on. I couldn't agree more. And I wanna jump into the longer form questions and, and, and get into the grease here with you uh, a little bit, Jared. And we'll talk about your history. Um, in high school, you and I shared a lunch table with a group of guys and the same thing was on the menu every day. Sports talk. Cheetos. A, what? Cheetos. And Cheetos. Salisbury um, steak. There was only one rule at that table, though. Never come unprepared. And ironically, about half of us ended up with a career in sports. Why do you think that was? That, wow. That's yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, why does Western Pennsylvania produce quarterbacks? I'd say maybe it was something in the water, but you and I have very different hairlines. <laughs> or in the Salisbury steak. I, I, I do know this, John, that when we have, whether it be um, a, a friend or a colleague, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, I was going to say friend or family, but somebody who that we're close to, who is like-minded as we are, and we're an ambitious type, and we're ambitious types, and then you have a whole group, well, you kind of push each other a little bit. And it's not, I don't even want to call it friendly competition. I've never thought, you know, one of the people who sat at the table uh, with us when, when we played sports trivia uh, games also has done, a, you know, has had a great career in broadcasting. And I think I've only always been motivated by all of his successes. 
but never, it, never like competition uh, type of matter. So maybe we push each other. I mean, think back, you and I many years ago, it must be about 20 years ago. Uh, if I recall, I was interviewing you as you were working for a, uh, for, for a professional football team and I was broadcasting and we were doing this. So in a way, I don't know if we drive each other, but I don't know how it happened. It's probably just random. And of course, you're referring to our mutual friend, Russ Thaler of yes. the Tennis Channel and MLS.com. Jared, I wanted to ask you, you know, on May 15th, 2011, the then CEO of the Phoenix Suns, Rick Welts, came out as the first openly gay, prominent sports executive. Of course, Rick later became the president of the Warriors, where he won three of five NBA titles from 2015 to 2019, and he had earned a spot in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And the day after that, Charles Barkley famously said, I'd rather have a gay guy who can play than a straight guy who can't. A day after that, former Villanova star Will Sheridan came out. What do you remember about that week? There's a lot of chills going down my legs right now because it was an intense week. Um, if, if you Google, I think if you Google gayest sports month ever, I think you're, you'll, you'll see stories about that. Um, I look back on that time uh, a lot over the last 10 years, and there's uh, sometimes there's, there's energy. I'm, I'm a big believer in energy that, that carries things. We're, we're energy largely. Uh, there was definitely an energy that was going on. And looking back on it, I, I, I remember feeling at the time that a, a, a door was opening and I knew it wouldn't last long and I had an opportunity to jump out. And, and I took that opportunity to, to jump out. I think anyone who's in the closet thinks about, um, you know you're imprisoned in a way. And if you see an opportunity to, to, to get out, you do. Barclay's comments, I remember talking on my, on my radio show at the time, the day before I came out, that it, it, it was important because we hadn't had words like that from somebody like a Charles Barkley. And I talked about it, you know, on, on my show. And that was also um, had set up to interview Will Sheridan as well, because he had, he had uh, come out as well uh, that week. And I think it, it starts to create a certain energy that I, I can't necessarily verbalize it or even make total sense of it to myself, because it, it's a, it was something that was a fear of mine forever and 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 that actual coming out you know turned out to be like a childbirth how would you explain that but it that type of huge uh undertaking as that went so what i remember about that week yeah sunday it was a new york times article with with rick welts if i recall and then will came out on outside the lines and uh don lemon from cnn also came out that week and then if i recall there was also after me there was a professional bowler as well. It, it just turned into this, this kind of snowball uh, type effect. So yeah, that's, I don't remember, you know, if you said to me, what, what did I do last week or three weeks ago? I, I might be able to give you details of a restaurant I went to, but I do remember that week. To, to those guys and, and the others that came out that week, uh, you know, Rick Welts and, um, and the, the, the Pro Bowl, whose name escapes me, um, Will Sheridan. Will Sheridan. Um, you, you called it you called it a snowball effect and you said, thank you for helping me a courage to finally do the same. H have you tried after you said, thank you for helping me the, to find the courage to do the same. Have you tried to contact any of them? And if so, what did you say? 
I, I think I've always had a um, kinship with, with Will Sheridan as, as a result of that. It's been a number of years since I've seen or, or spoken to Will, but we were in touch for, for a couple of years and we, you know, we'd connect once in a while and uh, uh, Will went on to do a whole lot. I mean, I, Will, and I'm just trying to think, Rick Welts, I never met. I really wanted to meet Rick Welts at the time. I remember I felt largely inspired because he was one of those, uh, you know, in that week. Um, and I'm trying to recall, there was Rick and, uh, you know, Charles Barkley for a long time. And, and I've never met Charles Barkley. Always wanted to meet Charles uh, since that time, just to really go up and say, hey, man, thank you. You have no idea. And he probably does have an idea, which is why he's so well outspoken, a great writer. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of Chuck's superpowers is his ability to communicate and walk fine lines. Because the, what I've learned so much is you, you, we never know, look, actions have consequences and our words carry weight. And sometimes innocuous comments can carry a lot of weight that aren't meant. If you and I are buddies and uh, I make a comment, I think I'm just joking about something. And turns out that that's an actually issue for you. You might think differently of me or that I would be, that you would be scared to be open and honest with me about something. And I think Charles Barkley, what he did by pushing that, that concept of, Hey, I've had a straight teammate. I've had gay teammates. I'd rather play with a gay teammate. If it's a better teammate, that really starts to open the door for others to think uh, in, in a different way. And his comment, little did he know that it would have the effect what it did to me. And then my coming out as I would come to hear stories about how somebody heard that and felt, oh, you know, I have a reason to live. I can be in sports as well uh, because I, you know, there's a reason there aren't any of us, unfortunately, John, you know, who, who we know of. Well, I have a surprise for you. I have a special guest joining us now. And if I'd ask him to turn on his camera, you've always said you wanted to meet Rick Welts. Um, oh, wow. Rick, Welcome to the Sports Mentoring Project. Ah, oh, man. Thanks, John. Hi, Jared. And then what he was really hoping is I was going to be Charles Barkley, I can tell at this moment. So, <laughs> all of fame. <laughs> Rick, what a pleasure. John, you're all mine. No, the pleasure's all mine. You know, I, I, I uh, certainly follow, have followed your story. Uh, I got reacquainted with it. John had sent me a uh, uh, the, the morning show that you did the day you came out, which I just recently listened to again, which was, I saw so many similarities to my story. It was, it remains incredibly inspiring. And we share one thing is our admiration for Chuck, because I, I still keep on my phone, the voicemail message he, he called and left that day because it was one of the more hysterical Certainly can't be shared because it's Charles, so, so it's not PG, but it was, uh, I, I was equally touched that he would reach out and do that. But to you, like, wow, what, I don't know what was in the water back in right. 2011, uh, but, but it looks like it's, uh, it's worked out pretty well for us both. Rick, does it, um, does it surprise you? I was just thinking of this last week because I'm coming up on the, you know, there's obviously for you the same thing, 10 year anniversary. And we, we mark things in these, in these round numbers. So 10 years and, and I know it's just a number and it's not, but, but it's been, uh, I'm aware of it at the time. It surprises me when I think that in 2011, if I would have looked ahead 10 years and said that we would still be in a spot minus Jason Collins for a brief moment, Robbie Rogers and soccer, but that we would still be here where we have not one 
player in Major League Baseball and in the, the NBA and the NHL and the NFL who feel comfortable enough to say, yeah, I'm gay. What's the, what? And because it seems the rest of the world is caught up to that. I'm sure so many times where people have said to you over the years, this is still a problem. Yeah, it kind of is because look around. What about, does it surprise you? Does it upset you? What are your thoughts on that? Look at you turning into the interviewer now. Uh, <laughs> oh, John. Hey, John. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. And uh, it just speaks to, you know, how far we've come, but how far we have to go, right? Uh, you know, I, I was honored to get to go to uh, Obama's uh, last year in office Pride celebration at the White House. And his speech that day really stuck with me because his, he talked about, you know, there, in 2011, when we came out there, there was no such thing as gay marriage. And, and that obviously happened on his watch. Uh, but it, it was not like we did it. It was uh, like, there, you guys have no idea how much further there is to go and, how, and actually how quickly progress like this could be reversed if you're not vigilant about it. And I think you know, I think we've seen some of that. I think we've seen some progress reversed. I think we've seen some progress, but yeah, the reality is, you know, that that player who would make a difference uh, in our industry in a big way hasn't found the moment in time to take that step, which speaks to, you know, speaks to the barriers that still exist out there. Yeah, John, John, if I could jump in and ask you a question, that from the outside of somebody who's straight, does it surprise you that that you know Rick and I are having this conversation? No, I, I guess it, it, it surprises me that that you all, you haven't met before. And I, I, because, you know, you, you, Rick, your your story inspired and gave Jared the confidence and, and helped create the environment and helped create what Jared called in his his address to his listener, a snowball effect that made him feel like, OK, I'm ready and it's OK. And, you know, I, I hate to answer a question with a question, Jared, but you know, what were you, I know you tried to reach out to Rick, who was very busy at the time, but what were you, what were you going to say to him if you got him? I could tell you this, Rick, today, I don't know. And somewhere there's probably an email stuffed in some old, you know, inbox that, that you might have, because I'm probably tried firing stuff off. Like we used to send letters to our favorite baseball players for an autograph, but um, you changed my life. I don't, I, I don't, uh, it's, it, it's that simple. I don't want to make it really any much more than that. That's what I, I was saying to John before that we never know the comments that we make, how important it is and actions have consequences. So it's so important to always have the opportunity if we can inspire to inspire and to know after, after I came out one day, I was up uh, a, a very large NBA broadcaster, the best of the best on the national scale said to me one day, you'll never know who you affect and how many people you may affect by what you did, but you did. And, and that's like a double-edged sword because you want to know who did I help? If you were an organ donor, you want to know who did I help? And you don't get to, but then I also take a certain amount of faith and comfort in knowing that the faith is there, that we help somebody. And sometimes it's better to not know and just know that you throw that, throw that pebble and the ripples will take place. And Rick, you, you, you know, your, your story with the New York times, um, changed my life so thank you and bless you and uh and i was so stoked when you went to the warriors that was really cool Greg, how, how, how does that make you feel hearing jared say that it's, it's awesome and you know in some ways you know what you signed up for in some ways you're not sure how that's going to play out i mean i 
I was at that point, as Jared was, where I could have taken care of my own business very privately and talked to the people I needed to talk about and uh, would have felt great about that outcome. But I, you know, in my case, I was, I couldn't put it in context and I really trusted a, uh, a super media guru in New York City who I had, had known and befriended and trusted to just say like, what is it? Is this a story or should I just take care of this myself? And you know, we were having dinner one night in New York City and he just looked at me. One, he said, I'd like to help if you want to do this. But second, he's, you know, I think this is the front page of the New York Times, which was took me a little bit of time to digest, but is obviously the way it turned out. But 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 just wanting to be the person that Jared didn't have in his life or the person that I didn't have in my life. I mean, that was the biggest obstacle to face. Like, I don't know how this will turn out. And I love what I do. And it's the industry that I care about. And going for so long without being able to see an example out there of somebody who had taken this step and could say, wow, that worked out really well. And if you, or Jared, could be that person to, for, for, for one kid out there to believe that they can succeed because of who they are instead of in spite of who they are, uh, you know, then, then that's a pretty gratifying feeling. John, I don't want to be inappropriate and take over. So please. <laughs> no, I, oh, I just ask you this, Rick. I, I know you have limited time. But I, I do want to, did you ever envision, um, I know you didn't do it for this reason, but did you ever envision you having this kind of impact and the scale, you know, you're here, you were doing, you know, making your announcement, um, you know, 3000 miles away. And here's some guy who's, you know, covering sports on the radio and he's out in the East coast and waking up at all hours of the morning did you ever imagine the kind of people that your news would would reach and touch and and uh, the scale of it? Yeah, of course not, right? Because it's it's the great unknown. You have no idea. You would hope there's one person out there, right? Um, and and it's you know, but it's it's developed. It's been a blessing every day since. Uh, you know, the people that Jared hears from, that I hear from, who are in sports organizations that were you know, don't feel they're in a position to take that step uh, at a particular point in time, but would like to find a ear who would understand like kind of what they're going through and help them think through the process. And then sometimes, sometimes it's very visible. You know, when we took the all-star game out of Charlotte or we're considering taking the all-star game out of Charlotte because of this crazy HB2 bill that North Carolina uh, imposed on the city of Charlotte and the state of North Carolina, uh, you know, we had a an owner's meeting or a governor's meeting and, and Adam Silver came up to me before the meeting and said, I, I'm going to let you have the last word um, in the discussion. And when it came my turn, I could look at the other owners uh, and say, I just want you to understand, you know, there are people in your organization who I know, who I'm in touch with, who don't feel comfortable enough in their work environment to be able to take this step. And I just, I want you to have them in mind because they're going to be paying attention to what you decide to do here. And so, you know, that's when it, it's, you, you feel something actually really good came of this because of course we voted to take the All-Star game out of Charlotte and North Carolina rescinded the bill and we were able to go back to Charlotte. And I think the NBA's actions and other sports organizations had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I'm not Commissioner Silver, but I would like to give Jared, in this case, the last word, Jared. On? On this conversation. Um. I, I, I want to see, I, I, I hope that, I, I hope that again, change comes soon in a big way. I'm aware that um, if there were a, uh, a, a, I always thought the bigger the star athlete who could come out and say, hey, you know what, this is who I am. 
one of the different, I'm a little different than I'm wired a little differently than the rest. All of my teammates know they've always known, or most of them have known, and it's all cool. But America, get ready to deal with it and the world get ready to deal because it seems like the world is pretty ready to deal with it. It's pretty, it, it, that's pretty clear. Once it starts, I think the wall comes down very quickly. And you know how many lives are going to get improved as a result? You know how many lives are going to get saved? You know how many kids who grow up playing baseball and football and basketball and hockey and soccer and tennis and golf and, and, and think, I can't do this. All of a sudden, when you look up and you say, oh, wow, superstar, I don't even want to say a player's name because you don't want to make any connections. All of a sudden, oh, so-and-so's, but no, but, uh, it, superstar X. All of a sudden, if the kid can look up to that and a kid who's growing up today, and then it's not just superstar X, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's just as commonplace as back in the day before Jackie Robinson played. And then when Jackie said, and then you look at sports today and you say, oh, wow, okay, so this is everybody involved. That's when we have success. And I just hope that it comes somewhat soon because I think it'll break down pretty quickly. Rick, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our little childhood friend reunion. Um, it Rick, really meant a lot cool, to man. thank no, you so much, Rick. Thank thanks, you, John. Thanks, Jared. It's uh, it's long overdue. Thank yeah, you, Rick. We're going to continue our conversation, let you go, go about uh, leading the Warriors. <laughs> okay. See you guys. Take Bye. care. So, Jared, I surprised you. You got me, John. I got gotcha. you. Got me. How are you feeling? I was just thinking about 30 seconds ago that uh, I'm looking forward to the period of reflection in, let's say, an hour from now. That's kind of how I operate. I'll usually you know, take it in and then, and then you move on. And then I'll look back on it and I'll think about it. That was really, really, um, you're a mensch, man. That's, you're, 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 that's, that's really special. That connects me, that connects to me in an important way. So, uh, wow. Thank you. I got next dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of reflecting, I, I've had, I've had 10 years to reflect on, um, you, you coming out and I found out you were gay when everybody else did. And of course I was happy for you. Um, but more so I was proud. Um, I also felt a little ashamed for not recognizing how much pain you had been through. Um, you said, I went through years of hell, suicidal thoughts on a regular basis, all because I couldn't live my dream. And I just don't think I ever asked you, can you take us back to one of those moments where you were feeling that way? Those days really were, uh, that was the worst. That was, uh, when you, when you can't see beyond the day, those are, those are, uh, those are, and they could be, you know, depression that people experience from all, all different reasons, uh, in life. Uh, I'm grateful. I never did, uh, took action of what, what I thought about all the time which was, what would people say at my funeral? What a shame. Why was he so, why is he gone so young? Um, I'd, I'd rather focus on, I think what's most important is how, how did I get past it? How did I get past that moment of going from despair in my head to not? And I think it's, it's about the process. It's clinging on to, um, if you if you're drowning, you feel like you're drowning, and you and you're in running rapids. You reach for a long stick or a rock or something, and you hold on to that for dear life. And I felt that at the time, um, whether it be a friend who opened up who I thought I could might be able to talk to, 
that was critical. And what I came to find is that over the years, long, long, long story short, what I came to find over the years is that um, it was a slow process. It was, it was instead of looking at how am I going to eat this gigantic meatball, I'm just start taking little bites into it, little bites into it. And then you realize I'm not getting sick from this meatball. Keep on eating more of the meatball. And the next thing you know, it's all digestible and, 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 and you've realize what was I so scared of? And that would be my, you know, message to, to anybody. We talk in terms about, you know, today's generation, YOLO, YOLO, you only live once. Yeah. Life is an address rehearsal. Don't, I, I guess I live too much in fear of regret of getting to a point where I can't do with my life what I wanted to do. There are a lot of people who go through life dealing with this particular issue, dealing with sexual orientation, that people don't actualize that part of who they are. And, and it turns poison into their, their, their lives become poisonous. They, they take it on unhappy, uh, angry, bitter at people. And then friends say, what's, what's wrong with this one? What's it? Well, that person has denied him or herself their true existence for a long time. My own experience Take your foot off first base and take a little step towards second. Because you ain't going to make it all the way home until you take your step, your first step off of first base. And little by little, you start to have a little bit of faith that, okay, I can go a little bit further. I can go a little bit further. And be grateful it's 2021. If somebody's not going to accept you uh, for who you are, you're going to have 90 plus out of 100 people looking at them saying, you're the bad one, not you. You said something that day as I was listening. If I were con to continue to hide behind this secret, which in 2011 is beyond silly, I'd be shorting myself and you the opportunity to grow. What did you mean by that? I, I, as a talk show host, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons, I think why for me, why that energy, I got caught up in that energy is because where I was at, I just left one job I'd been at for a long time uh, with, with, with uh, WCBS radio in New York for, for a long time, for 12 years, I think at that time, then a couple more after, but, and went to a new job with ESPN radio in New York. And I was maybe about seven or eight shows into, into my existence there. And I was well aware. I felt like I was drowning. It was the first time in my career. I did not feel, or I felt that out of control where I was not in control of, of being able to manipulate what it was I was trying to do at work. But as a talk show host for the first time and dealing in the New York crowd, particularly, even though a place which I've always worked, uh, it, was, it was, I guess, became so intimidating and overwhelming that I knew the only chance that I'm going to have, I got to give myself a fighting chance. And that's always kind of, I'm on the type who, you know, well, we might not make it, but I'm going to die trying. I, you know, I'd signed a contract. It wasn't like I could say, well, no, I don't, I don't, let's, you know, you take the eraser and on. I, I had a job to do. And I think the only way that I thought I might be able to be a talk show host was I need to be honest. Let's just get this out of the way right now, folks. Here's the deal. And then, and, and then as time went on, I think people probably the audience came to realize, thank goodness he did that because I wasn't then scared to talk about certain topics at the time. There was the, um, the Jerry Sandusky trial was, was very big and not just the trial, but first the story that broke. And, and I remember that time being aware that 
this, even though that I didn't have anything to re relate to it, there's a lot of stuff I didn't have to go on and be like, yeah, if I would have seen that, I would have killed that guy. Yeah, yeah, which was what every talk show, uh, sports talk show in the country was, it seemed. And I thought, come on, you know, just like most places, people have an opportunity to do right, do good every day to fix injustices. And most people kind of just look the other way. So I would go on the show and I would think, please don't keep all the macho stuff to yourself. Let's have a real conversation. And so I wasn't, I wasn't trying to protect this, an image of yo, bro. Yo, yeah. I mean, this is how it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, that's not cool. Yo, but I can go on and be open and honest about it. And, it, and, and I think it drew in and, you know, drew in an audience because the next thing I know, somehow we had a number one rated Arbitron show. And, you know, we're here 10 years later, still, as you may actually, as you referenced during your address and you asked Rick Welts, we still don't have an active superstar player in the NFL, NBA, NHL, or MLB who's out. Why do you think that is? Professional athletes, for me to call anyone a coward who's a professional athlete would be absolutely ridiculous because of what it takes to train physically, mentally, emotionally to get to that point. If I may say so as a challenge, I think it's an act of cowardice in a way because I, you know, it takes one to know one. I understand cowardice being, being scared to have that courage, to have that bravado if you don't have the courage, but the bravado, the faith say it's going to be okay. There's, it's really not that scary. I mean, think about it. It's like if there's a food when you're a kid and they want you to try some food that you don't want to eat. And then you just do it. And then you say, what was all that about? Flip the switch is the toughest thing, whether it be you're trying to lose weight or quit smoking or make a change in your life. Flipping the switch is the toughest part. It's not at the actual change. So I, I would challenge uh, guys to at least question, why am I keeping quiet? What if I'm not even, what if I don't think in terms of myself, but maybe I think in terms of others, what might my actions do for others? seems everybody wants to be a hero nowadays. Well, it's, it's certainly a, something large to do, especially when you're going against uh, the grain in, in, in such a way. But John, you know, it, like, like I said, then it, I would get asked, why now? Well, a, a chicken only hatches from the egg when it's ready to hatch. And no matter how hard you push, you can't get a horse into the starting gate if it doesn't want to get into the starting gate. So it's not about that. I would just challenge, want to challenge people to think about your existence and what you got and what you can do for yourself, what you can do for others. And, uh, and don't, be, don't be scared of this, of all the things. Like, I'd be more scared to try, still try a lot of foods that I still don't want to try. <laughs> you know, if you gave me like, let's say a teaspoon of mustard, that would be more scary for me than, you know, they also say, John, that what public speaking is like, and the people are more scared of public speaking than they are of dying. Actually, people are more scared of public speaking than death. And like what we're doing right here. So, you know, don't ask. I'm just, I, you know, I, I, I'm looking down, John, and one last, you know, I, I don't know if you have more questions. Um, I got to go to broadcast camp when I was 15 years old, 16 and 17 over the summer. And I met some really special people at these broadcasting camps. My dad sent me to. And it was run by Bill Raftery, who, who, who great college basketball announcer and um, and former coach. And and and, and Raff would have all of his friends from from the networks come in and visit with us. And and you asked early on about mentors and the role that a mentor can have, which is why I love spending time with students. And it's never 
if I see somebody who has the real thirst, has the drive, the ambition, nothing's going to stop them. I'll go out of my way to do whatever I can to, to try to help them find their way and also to share insights and secrets and tips that I wouldn't share with other colleagues or professionals because it's still a competitive field. But there were some people who I'd need to say thank you to uh, as, as former mentors. And, 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 and you know, one of them I mentioned before is, uh, is, is James Brown. Who you've had on? I'm just looking, sitting here, looking at my my copy of my 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 JB book, and and, and along with this book from from James, as he holds up the book for those of you who are listening. When, when when I was 15 years old, now I'm holding up a um, let me just cover up addresses and stuff, but a card here. This was from that that James Brown wrote me after I wrote him a note, and uh, and, and 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 oh, this is actually a Christmas card. We were all of a sudden we were pen pals, me and JB, 15 years old. But nonetheless, James wrote me back. I came home from school one day and saw a letter, a, a little card in my mailbox. And it said James Brown, and it had his return address from home. And then inside, he said, here's my phone number if you want to call me. That opened up the huge door for me because it made, I knew how badly I wanted to do this career, make this career. I was 15, 16. To have serious giants in the business acknowledge your existence make you feel like you belong here i i, I might help you be a you know a, an arm along the way to reach out to to help that was immeasurable anyone who knew me john you probably remember you know in high school i'm sure i talked about uh you, you know my connection and you know knowing these guys james brown of course or, or, i remember or, but then I look at a letter that, you know, that I have here from, from Jim Nance, who I met at, at the broadcast camp and a, and a photo of, uh, of Jim and I from back in the day. And on the back, it says- Look at that hair. Yeah. Which one? I'm talking <laughs> about your hair. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, it said, best wishes on your big future, Jim Nance, you know, in these words. And, you know, Jim writing to me, I remember these words, you know, people, and this is why you, you always give back. This is 30 years ago, John. This is dated August 8th, 1990. So 31 years ago. And it says, um, he, he, he's telling me about in college, whatever your college choices, go with your instincts. And he says, people blaze new trails every day. One day, the path will be yours. I remembered that line for a long time. That was Jim Nance? That's Jim Nance. And, and you try to give it back. I saw Jim, John, this is the last thing on, on this. I saw Jim at the um, 2010 AFC championship game in Pittsburgh between the Steelers and the Jets. And uh, I was in the Steelers or Jets locker room after the game and the broadcasters were just coming walking off the field. And I saw Jim, he had been there doing the game on CBS with, with Phil Sims. And, uh, and I, and I looked up and I said, and I hadn't seen him in so many years. And I looked up and I said, Jim, Jared Max. And he looked at me and he, and he shook my hand with strong handshake and, um, and paid the kindest compliment to me about my work. That, you know, floors you, it floors you when you, when you, when you, come a long way and what was going through your mind at that moment same thing i think as i expressed when you asked me about just meeting rick welts like this that was really so cool and uh i'll think about that later on and, and i've always been happy to hear some of my some of my role models in life uh who who've expressed similar thoughts about to, to let me know that, okay, I think I'm doing it right. You know, when it comes to compliments, you accept it. Somebody's paying you a compliment. If you just kind of shoo-shoo it, well, you're being disrespectful to somebody who, who made that, most importantly. It's tougher to take compliments sometimes than it is. Usually it is tougher to take compliment 
uh, than, than, than take criticism. I wanted to ask you about mentoring in the LGBTQ plus community. And um, are, are you mentoring now or have you ever mentored anyone else in the community? And what, what, what's uh, yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. There, yeah. You know, um, different aspects uh, in, in sports. There's somebody who's a, who is a professional athlete uh, who's, who's now out, who's, who doesn't play anymore, who, you know, I've spoken with about, different matters, or maybe there's, um, a colleague in the business in the broadcast business who came up to me and wanted to know, was considering coming out, wanted to talk about it. And we had long discussions about it. Yeah. Here and there, something comes up. Somebody who I faintly worked with, uh, many years ago, not long ago, reached out to me and opened up about something very personal along the lines of, 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 uh, sexual identity. And uh, sometimes you might be like, wow, they're calling me on this, but you're aware you're grateful for that. I'm grateful uh, for that, for for any opportunity to be able to, you you know, be a guide for somebody to help them. Yeah. Last question. I, you know, I keep coming back to a comment that Emmanuel Acho shared with me on this podcast when I asked him about mentoring black men and women and people of color, I asked him directly about it. And he said, you can't help what you don't know. And it, it was a quip. Um, and then I thought about it and I was like, huh, wow, that's interesting. Um, the question is, as allies, is there a limit to the degree to which we can help the LGBTQ community thrive in sports? Yeah. Make it very clear. you got guys on your team, you know, or are, 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 aren't quite like you. Go to bat for them. And, 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 and go make it clear, like, hey, guys, this, the field's open. We're good. You're welcome here. And we're all one team. Allies are so critical. Think about what we spoke about. You saw how I got about Charles Barkley. You need those. At, you, you, we very much need allies. I mean, generally, you know, any minority has to fight for its own right for everything. You get help along the way. But, but in the end, everyone seems to have to fight for their own. Um, matter. And on, on the sports side, there's still, there's still so much room uh, for, for growth. It's, it, it's unbelievable. I want to think of 10 years and still, you know, if not for Jason Collins, wow. I hope we're not having this conversation again, this, this part of it in, in five years, because there's quality of life that, that certainly can be improved for many and a lot of lives uh, that, that, that can be saved and, and not for nothing. I mean, what are you hiding for? What are you hiding for? Jared Max, thank you for joining me on the Sports Mentoring Project, for sharing your perspective on on your, t- as you come up on your 10th anniversary, but also on being gay in sports and, um, and how it intersects with your role in the media. And uh, I'm really grateful you, you spent a little time with me today. John, this is really cool. You know, to, to, to piggyback on Emmanuel Acho's line, the uh, there was a line I, I thought of after 10 years ago, doing a lot of interviews about having come out publicly that uh, I used to say, and I still say this, and, and I think this people who were who in the situation and not sure what to do, consider this. My line is that I never asked to be this way. I didn't even ask to be, but we play the hand that we're dealt and we make the best of it. And that's it.